Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys don't need a lesson. You guys already got a lesson. We can go home and not just be a jogger. And uh, thank you so much for the good news from Orange County. I don't know if I was encouraged or convicted. Uh, man, I was really inspired by those good news. And thank you so much for sharing that. What an honor it is to be with you. What a privilege. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Angela Williams and all the brothers that are helping out. Uh, Clay, Phil, Cy, Nick, Seth, uh, all the brothers are really uh, putting this together for us and for the singles in the LA Church. Uh, I would like to thank you, the interns. You guys can give yourselves a round of applause, please. Um, you could have chosen to do many things Saturday morning in the month of June, the least of which is to sleep. And uh, you might have a long week and different things that you would like to do, but you're devoting time to be here. You're dedicating it to God. You're sacrificing. You're being a living sacrifice, and I appreciate that tremendously. Uh, my name is Jose Fong, and I am a minister in the central region of the Ailey Church, of our church. I was, uh, amen. I was born in Panama, and I came here to the U.S. when I was 17. So I am Central American. I don't know. I, I know I don't look it, but I am Central American. <laughs> and I became a Christian while I was going to Pasadena City College in 1994. So that was uh, almost 20 years ago. Uh, later on, I was very fortunate to be able to go to USC. And uh, I went thinking on pursuing an engineering degree. But the Lord had in mind to be for me to be trained in the ministry. Do you know how that goes? Like, you think you're going to do something, oh, I'm just going to go to church and see what happens, and then you end up becoming a Christian. <laughs> I'm just going to go on this day, I don't really want to go, but something else happens later on, etc., etc. Well, I, th I thought I was going to get an engineering degree. I ended up becoming a minister because of the training that I received there. So, on May 98, a week after graduation, I uh, went into the ministry, and I gave up my career uh, to go into the full-time ministry. I started dating, who now is my wife, that same year, so uh, 1998. That was the most challenging year of my life. Last year in the program, deciding to go into the ministry, and I did not want to meet anybody, sincerely. I, I, I love the sisters, but that, for me, that was not the year to, to meet anybody and pursue a rom romantic relationship, but you know how that goes, too, right? So... Um, uh, at the end, she, she ended up asking me to become uh, uh, her boyfriend. Just kidding. No, I asked her. Just kidding. Just kidding. She did not do that. She did, she did not do that, but she waited a while. Uh, we got married in 2000. We have the blessing to have uh, our daughter. Her name is Acacia, six, six years old. Uh, out of the 15 years that I've been in the ministry, 13 of those years have been serving singles in the Latino ministry. I love singles. It's my favorite ministry. Uh, my best moments in the ministry have been uh, being in the singles. My worst moments in the ministry have been being in with the singles. I have laughed. I have cried. I have had the biggest arguments with singles. I love the singles. I love you guys. Uh, the first few years, I was just really trying to figure it out, and after a while, I fell in love. And I know what a lot of you guys go through, and my heart aches uh, because of the struggles that you go through every day, and, and you're disciples. 
And I really admire and appreciate that. So, Time to Choose a Row is the title. I got the longest title of the program. Do you realize that? I did. I mean, I noticed that. I got the longest title. I don't know why. Time to Choose a Row, Welcoming Challenge and Responsibility is the title for today. At the end of today, it's going to be really cool because you're going to get hands-on and you're going to be able to figure out practical ways to use the talents and abilities that God has given you. It's going to get down to that level of practicality. But when it comes to leadership, and this is what this internship is about, right? Leadership. When it comes to leadership in the kingdom, when it comes to serving God's people, when, it's, when it comes to serving God, there are tremendous challenges that lie ahead of us. And I want to ask you, what's perhaps the one challenge for you, the biggest challenge as you pursue serving and leading in the kingdom? What is it? Working with people is true. What is the biggest challenge for you? This is a personal question, yes? Sacrifice with time. Yes? You just have the energy. So is that the biggest challenge? Think about it, yes? Not being a people pleaser. All the way in the back, sister, yes, please. Faith being tested, yes? To be humble, like we spoke about this morning. One more. Patience to see the results. And the list can go on and on and on and on, but if we could put an umbrella to all these challenges and concerns, I don't know about you, but I could put it under the umbrella of fear. Fear of failing and not being humble, fear of not getting the results, fear that I'm going to have to sacrifice and give my energy, etc., etc., etc. Questions of, can I do this? What if I can't? A question of ability. Am I able, am I capable of doing this work for God? What if they don't like it? What if I am rejected? The question of rejection. What if I fail? The question of failure. What about sin, pride, arrogance? The question of integrity. Those are real fears, are they? They're genuine fears. And as you engage in this internship, as you put into perspective the life of a Christ, as a Christian that you live so far, as a young Christian, older Christian, that might be the one that is there, the fear of filling the blank. And I would like for us to talk about it this morning. You know, I think about it in my personal life and the different roles that I've been able to, by God's grace, have to serve in the kingdom. I remember being called to, to simply be an usher. And I remember the, the, the fear of being friendly, smiling, being on time, being responsible, and not dropping the, the tray. <laughs> so you've been there before. You know, you're having communion and the tray falls off and you just feel bad for that brother or sister that dropped the tray. So little, you know, small fears of that sort. Or later on, I was asked to be a teen worker, a teen mentor. And I remember meeting with uh, Henry and Lana Kramer. And I just remember being afraid of the meeting of being asked to serve in the teen ministry, being able to impact other people's lives. Then leading my first Bible talk and not knowing what to do. Because sometimes you're thrown into a leadership position without really knowing how to do it. 
And people coming to me asking me for advice and confessing their sin and me not knowing if I'm going to ruin that person's life. Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> to preach a sermon, to teach a class, to lead songs, I've done that too, going full time. And people ask me, do you get scared when you go up there? You feel fear when you have to talk with God's people or have a Bible study and say, yes, I do. I still do after 15 years of being in the ministry. Uh, I, I pray on the way here because I don't want to mess it up because I want you to leave with God's word in your heart. I want you to leave with something that you can do. I don't want you to waste your Saturday morning knowing that you could have gotten some rest or done something else. So, yes, there, there is fear still. And you know what? I don't, I don't just simply want to give a lesson. And I know that you just simply don't want to give your time. You want to make an impact. You just don't want to be a jogger. Right? And I want to be bold, but don't have seal without knowledge. Just don't be superficial. I want to be courageous, but I also want to be spiritual. I don't want this to be artificial. And so how to deal with that conflict? And I would like for us to pray for women so we can ask God for help. God, thanks so much for all the love that you have for us. Thank you so much for the confidence and the vision and the faith that you have in our lives. Thank you so much when you call us to serve, to lead. And yes, we admit that we are sometimes afraid. And we also confess to you that sometimes we have said no. We don't want to do it. We don't want to do it. We have said no to you. And we humbly come before you because we need your help. We're going to look into your scriptures and we need your help. We want you to come into us through your spirit to open the eyes of our hearts and our minds so we can understand who you are more in our lives. So we can go out and do things that you want us to do with courage. So please help us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Maybe that's the biggest challenge for you. Fear. Maybe you're, you're young in the faith. How many of us are two years or younger in the faith in this audience? Can we give them a round of applause, please? You were just baptized recently. I don't know how recent, but you're here. And somebody had the vision for you, and you were not even sure if you wanted to do this. So you're here. Welcome. Maybe you've been a disciple so, for some time and you've been thinking about serving and people have encouraged you and they see you can serve, but you don't see it out of your own self. Maybe you've been a disciple for a long time. You've been here before. This is not the first time you led before, but because of whatever, sin in your life, you're wondering if you can do it again, if you can be used by God one more time. Maybe you were restore, restored to the faith recently. How many of us have been restored here in this audience? Can we give them a round of applause? Because that's awesome right there. Maybe you went through a divorce and you're afraid that you're going to have credibility, that people are going to believe in you, they're going to trust you, that you're spiritual to be able to give them a hand. Maybe you're talented. Maybe you have a personality. Maybe you can play an instrument, sing, or do something that is very hard for the rest of us. And you struggle with discipline, 
with work ethic and you're afraid that, yeah, I'm talented, but I'm going to mess it up later on for others. And that fear can be paralyzing. That fear can make you miss opportunities, or maybe already it has in your life. It can be very discouraging to you. But you know what is so comforting? You know what is so encouraging? Is that we have this. Are you encouraged by that? Because I do not know about you, but when I read the Bible, it's full of stories of men and women that were afraid, that failed, and they were used by God. And we can fill out a whole list of examples of people that were imperfect, but they were loved by God. We can think of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, called when he was 80, talking about being old, asking his wife to say that he was his sister so, so he would be treated well. He was a man of God, used by God, father of the faith, by the way. <laughs> Moses in Exodus chapter 3, called to lead over a million people, have problems with speech, and temper. Gideon, probably your favorite, Ju Judges chapter 6. What did he say? My clan is the weakest and I am the least. What about just some self-confidence right there? I don't know if you ever said that about yourself. Prophet Elijah, a prophet Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19. After a great victory, the Bible says he ran and, and fled because he was afraid. Afraid because of one woman, Jezebel. Now, he, she was a mean woman, but ran and fled. Prophet Jeremiah, chapter 1. He goes, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. Do not say you're only a child, the Lord answered. The apostle Thomas, a doubter. Apostle Peter denied Jesus three times. Apostle Paul, a persecutor and a violent man. Do you see a pattern here? Do you see a pattern here? Every time you look at the Bible, you're going to see somebody like you and me that has been afraid, that has serious challenges. Nevertheless, they did awesome things for God. And the same thing can go for you and me. But I want to focus on one of them. Might not be my favorite, but it really helps me out. Is Moses in Exodus chapter 3. And I want, to, I want you to go there, please. Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to leave you with two questions that you're going to have to ask yourself for the rest of your life. These are questions that you asked before, but you're going to have to continue asking of yourself. But let's start here reading in Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses, chapter uh, verse 1. Now Moses was sending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? See what happens when you're curious? I mean, you know the rest of the story. But it started with being curious. When the Lord saw that, the, that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God say, take off your sandals or your huaraches. You, you're, you're Latino, your huaraches, take them off. For the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid, see, to look at God. 
The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. There is misery going on in our city, brothers and sisters. There's misery happening in your workplace. There's misery taking place at school where you go to in your family. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11, you'll see a projector right there. But Moses said to God, Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. That was his first answer. Who am I? Turn this on. There you go. It's in yellow now. Oh, let's go back once. Who am I? And God said, I'll be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Who are you? That was the first question out of the fear of leading over two million people. And many times we've asked the same question. It's a question of identity. It's a question of ability, of capacity, of relevance. Am I able to do something and make a difference? That is the question that we ask when we ask, who am I? And that's an important question. And today, later on, you're going to answer part of that question by doing the practicals and going to the exercise. But do you realize that God did not answer Moses' question? If you go back to the, to the scripture, to the verse, and God said, I'll be with you. He did not answer Moses' question. He did not say, well, Moses, uh, you live at 1015 East Mountain Street in Glendale. You went to this school. You did this. You did that. Because at the end of the day, that was irrelevant. That was secondary. Because there was something that was more important than who he was. And that was who was with him. Although Moses was special and important to God, just like you and I, we're very special and important to God, that, that question was not the most important. And sometimes we, got, we get caught in this out of fear. Or who am I? What have I been able to do? What are my accomplishments? And we focus so much on who we are, on what we can do, on what we've done, and we lose sight on who is with us. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And we're going to read about the Apostle Paul. And if there was a man that accomplished a whole lot, it was Paul. And he writes about it, and we're going to read about it. If you can join me in Philippians chapter 3. I don't know if I'm controlling this or the Holy Spirit back there is controlling it for me. There you go. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. If anyone thinks that he has reasons to put up confidence in the flesh, please go back. 
Holy Spirit wants to go forward. I want to go back. Sorry. Thank you. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for seal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Wow. But whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss. For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Do you have that perspective? I mean, it's not a bad thing to accomplish things, go to school, be known for something. But at the end of the day, is that your identity? You know, I struggle with this tremendously. This, is, this has been a long, hard battle for me. When I went into the ministry in 98, I was assigned to go to Cal State LA to be the campus minister there. And I was so insecure. And I remember, and this is very embarrassing to me, but I remember wearing shirts that will have USC on it. Because I wanted people to know that I went to a good school. And I remember mentioning it to people. And I remember telling them about what I went to do at that school. And I remember I struggle with the identity of being completely sold out for God. I remember this occasion. This is another embarrassing story. Coming out of midweek. You know, sometimes you come out of midweek and you can be very encouraged. And sometimes you can be very discouraged out of midweek. So that was one of those midweeks. I was dri driving out. I was convicted. I was driving out. I recently got into an accident. I was driving a rental car. I was driving a little Geo Metro. And in front of me, I was in, I was, uh, as I was in the freeway, I saw this BMW that says USC 1998. And I felt like, man, dude, like, look at this guy driving a nice BMW, USC 1998. That's the year that I graduated. Here I am in my little Geo Metro. But I remember being so insecure about that. I had to pull out to, to, uh, to get some gas. And guess who I found at the gas station? One of my classmates driving his big SUV and me and my, G, my little Geo Metro. And I didn't want to say hi to him. I mean, that's embarrassing. But sometimes we get caught out so much in who we are, not realizing that there's a bigger question. Who is with us? And maybe the reason of your fear is because you are real, you're relying so much on who you think you need to be. And you're forgetting who is with you all day, all night. I guess the most important question that we should ask ourselves is the following question. This is not working, I think. As we keep on reading in the story, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. What an answer. Who is I am who I am? <laughs> if I were Moses. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The more important question is, What is his name? Who is God? God. Do you know who God is? 
Has he done something for you in your life? Have you been a witness? Who is God for you? I want us to watch a short video that has inspired me a lot. Maybe you've seen it before, but let's watch this video from uh, Francis Chan from the book um, All Factor of uh, The video is All Factor of God. I remember the book's name, but let's see that video. Who is our God? Who is God for you? You know, when I'm praying, I'm on the freeway, I'm afraid, I don't know what to say, I'm going to a counseling appointment, 
I want to focus on me. What am I going to say? What scripture am I going to pull out? But then I've learned that I need to pull the brakes. I need to start looking up and realizing how big God is. And that doesn't go to, to say that I shouldn't prepare myself, study my Bible, but it's a matter of perspective. It's an issue of attitude. It's an issue of faith. And who is God for you? For me, this is amazing. This has helped me tremendously when I stop and I start praising God. I want to request. I want to complain. <laughs> I want to do a lot of things in my prayer, but the first thing I do, I'm going to praise you, God, because you are God. You're God. You're great. You're awesome. And it's amazing because once I go a few minutes and praising God and thinking how awesome God is, all of a sudden, I'm in a different plane, a different perspective. I'm filled with courage because I know that he is with me. That was God's answer to Moses. The answer was not answering who Moses was, but telling him, I am with you. That is the most important answer. So who is God with you, for you? If we could go back to uh, the slides, please. I know this scripture, we've seen it many times, and I'm glad we've seen it many times. I'm, I'm glad that we see it in football stadiums. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Hey, you're part of the world. So for God so loved you that he gave his one. What? I hope that you have not grown numb to that scripture and that idea. Because God loves you that. What? Have you given yourself the chance to be impacted by that idea? Of the love of God that is so big, so huge, that he was willing to give up the most important thing for him. Have you thought about that? That helps me out so much. I know that we see it and we read it and we know it and I'm glad we do. We might not know a whole lot of scripture, but we know John 3.16. Praise God. Let's go to another scripture in Romans chapter 8. I've been having a great time studying the book of Romans. We know this scripture. We're very familiar with it. It says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know what is my favorite word in, all this, in, in, the whole, in this whole verse? There's one word that I love. And maybe next year I'll come up to love another word of this whole verse. Is the word for. You know who's for you and not against you? You know who is there cheering you up? The idea of God. The same God that we saw in the video. The creator. He's for someone. He's in favor of someone. He's in favor of you, of your cause, of your meaning within his kingdom. Do you realize that? I mean, I think sometimes we put God in our pocket. We put God in this little box. And God does not fit in your little box or on my little box. God is huge. God is big. 
And when I think about those two questions, who I am, I'm a sinner, man. Are you a sinner? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with being bankrupt spiritually? Being poor in spirit? That's what Paul said, right? I'm the least. Are you okay with that? Are you fighting to be someone, to have a name, to have recognition? Because if you're fighting that battle, you're going to lose because you are nothing in the eyes of God. And that question is asking you to surrender, to give up. The next question is with the one I love. Who is God? Man, I know who God is. I know who God is. I know he saved me. I know he's for me. I know he's shown me. And I want you to leave you with that. These are two questions that you're going to have to ask yourself. And I hope that I'm giving you answers to Scripture. That as you face your fears in, 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 in these new challenges in leadership, that you're going to realize, I'm not, I mean, I'm not able to do it. I mean, period. I'm not able to do it. I mean, lead songs, lead, I'm not able to do it, but God can. Because God is great. And God is for me, and he's going to help me. I hope those answers have tremendously helped you. will be called to serve in God's kingdom today and tomorrow. We'll be, we are not here just waiting for Jesus to come back. I hope you're not just waiting. We're here with a purpose. You know that? And he has called you to have a tremendous purpose. You will have to face your fears. In fact, I invite you to punch Fear in the face. Punch it. Fear, I'm nobody, but look who's right next to me. The big God, the creator. And silence your accusers. Who are you? You'll have to wrestle and surrender, just like I've had. Who is God? He's the God who is for you. And man, I hope that this has really encouraged you. I'm going to bring uh, Aaron back up, and he's going to give us some direction.